good afternoon and welcome to Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Laurent Landis, uh, Patty. Hi, this is Patty Fink and you're listening to... And that was Patty. Just that wanted was to Patty say hi. Interrupting us. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Patty. Uh, she's off today uh, and our guest is Leslie McMurray. I'm no guest. Our third person in the <laughs> seat over there at microphone four is Leslie McMurray. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. Thanks for having me again. You're <laughs> welcome. It's always nice to have you had. Yes, I enjoy being here with y'all. We nice. enjoy. It brightens my Sunday. Well, isn't that delightful? Yeah. Otherwise, I'd be at home throwing frisbees for my dog. We're just going to do a news roundup, and there's plenty of news uh, out there. Yeah. S since you're the guest, why don't you choose where to start? Let's begin. I uh, Not the guest, the person on microphone four. Sure. <laughs> um, as part of what I do for a living, I am an advocate for the LGBTQ community. Um, and primarily, I speak from a transgender voice, but also as a lesbian voice. But I went and spoke to a school superintendent uh, a couple of weeks ago. I'm not going to list the district. But uh, the discussion was about offering protections like DISD does and like Uplift Education does uh, that specifically enumerate protections for LGBTQ students with regard to bullying and harassment. Not an unreasonable request and I accompanied uh, some evidence from GLSEN which is a, a group that does something called the School Climate Survey every two years and they talk to thousands and thousands and thousands of students and they collect this information and they do breakouts by state and federally. And if you look at the breakout for Texas, I would think as an educator it would be flat out embarrassing because the numbers are abhorrent. When they ask kids that are LGBTQ uh, whether they have heard anything negative about LGBTQ students, it's up in the high 80s and low 90s there. And when you say, uh, have you heard that by staff, it's up in the 60s. So staff saying anti-thanks. So clearly these kids need to be protected. And the state of Texas only requires a few things to be enumerated, things like race, religion, national origin, things like that, uh, sex. Uh, and then some of them have um, a concoction there where you can see effort made, uh, where they'll say things like gender and sex. But it doesn't say gender identity or gender expression, it just says gender. So I don't know what their thought process is in enumerating uh, gender and sex, because um, I don't know really what the intent is there. But if you say sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression, those are the things we want protected. So long story short, after about an hour-long discussion, the superintendent said, you know, I agree with everything. You're absolutely right. This is compelling evidence. May I keep it? Yes, you may. Uh, but the bottom line is it's going nowhere because we're terrified. N not necessarily their words, but the upshot is they are. They're scared to death of the 21%. Because when we look at surveys, we see 79% of the general population that are surveyed support LGBTQ and transgender rights, 79%. But the 21% that don't are so loud and so vocal and so active and so willing to leave their house in their brown shirts and... Uh, odd-looking uniforms uh, and of course face coverings and things like that because usually they're too big of a coward to show their face 
but they are terrifying school districts that they're going to have pickets outside of school board meetings and the unhinged screaming and yelling at them into their microphone while they're just trying to educate children. Yeah, and we're not talking about they're just afraid of some general opposition. It's way beyond that. Yeah, it's way beyond that. It's people that are trying to, district by district, uh, ban books mm -hmm. uh, and to keep LGBTQ subject matter away from students uh, when there are other ways of managing that. It's like if if I, as a parent, didn't want my kids to read a particular class of books, let's say I had something up my rear end about witchcraft, and I said to the school, I don't want my kids learning about witchcraft for some reason, and they could put a note in their computer, and my kids couldn't check out books on witchcraft. Simple as that. Problem solved. But if I say, this book shouldn't be in your library, and they pull that, that means your kid can't read it, and David's right. kids can't read it, and you know nobody can read it. Right. And so I think that's a really overly draconian way of solving a problem that isn't really a problem in the first place. I was place. about to say there isn't a problem in the first place. The thing is, you know, I, <laughs> I've been around for a while. I have a Medicare card, uh, so I've seen a few things. And I don't know why the sudden concern, because LGBTQ books were in the school library when I was going to school. And it wasn't a problem then. Right. And it was, uh, they were still in the library when my kids were going to school. And it wasn't a problem then. Right. And when my grandkids started going to school, it wasn't a problem. But now it is. Yeah. Why? Yeah. Why the sudden concern over this? Yeah, I don't know. That's a good question. Do they have, like, evidence that they can point to of kids that have been documented that were straight and suddenly read a book about an LGBTQ subject matter that suddenly became gay? Because that that's not how it happens. Oh, is that what happened to you? you read a book? Absolutely. Uh, what was the name of it? Actually, it's funny you say this. <laughs> <laughs> Wait, there was one? No, I was just thinking about the very first uh, gay book I read. It was uh, either my senior year or my first year of college, and uh -huh. I got it out of the library. And, of course, I, 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 I snuck to read it. Yeah. Um, but you already knew by that point. Oh, of course. I've known since I was six years old. But yeah, so, um, so books didn't do it. Books didn't do it. So what happened to you at the age of six? <laughs> Nothing. <laughs> you went to a drag show, huh? That's, that, there you go. Yeah, that must have been it. Because drag. drag shows also turn you gay, right, David? Oh. Don't they? Look at me. <laughs> yeah. It was it was drag shows and watching Linda Carter as Wonder Woman. Yeah. That did it. Yeah. I was more of a Xena girl myself. Xena <laughs> and Gabrielle, there was some tension there. Oh, wow. Wow. Now, Linda Carter, she would be proud. To hear that? To hear that. <laughs> I adore her. Oh, yeah, she's amazing. She's amazing. Yeah. So. But, yeah, it's just that, that kind of fear. And then, then what, as an advocate, the thought that goes through my mind is how do you stop this wave of fear? Because it's irrational. You, you cannot lay evidence down. You can't fight it with truth. Uh, <laughs> how do you get the... the the fear away. Actually, I don't think it's fear at all when you really get to it. Um, this is just their way. And, of course, they know, I will say deep down aside, they, they know on the surface level what little sense they have left. They know darn well that their kid reading a book about an LGBT whatever is not going to turn them LGBT. They know that. This is their effort to legislate us out of society. They don't want us to be seen. 
talked about, heard about, read about. That's really what they're trying to well, do. Well, the governor didn't even say LGBTQ. He said, there's pornography in our school libraries. BS. What? Produce one book. No, exactly. Of course, you're right. There isn't. But they equate anything gay to sex. Yeah. This is their way of saying that's pornography. Yeah. Well, that's people that don't understand. Of course. Of uh, course. Same-sex relationships. I don't know. It just... You know, and to be clear, what you were going to do was talk to the superintendent about bullying. Yeah, about bullying and harassment and protecting these kids... And bullying, the most is, marginalized. bullying is clearly illegal in Texas. Yeah. We passed a bullying law about 10 years ago or so, 10, 12 years ago. Uh, and bullying is simply illegal. Yet it's not enumerated in school protections uh, based on LGBTQ status. It is on race, it is on religion, it is on uh, sex, but it's not enumerated. So I understand that it's protected. But if, if the school policies are not written to say bullying is illegal, period, as you stated, it's bullying and harassment shall not be, and, and then it says uh, under kind of the conditions, it says based on race, religion, sex, national origin, there is a list of five or six. My ask was to include LGBTQ students, uh, sexual orientation, gender identity, and gender expression. Because when uh, it's enumerated, the incidents go down. The incidents go down, and then they have something they could take to the Title IX coordinator and say this is uh, like a, a bias-related incident. It, right, because what, can, what will happen or can happen is someone, a child, complains to um, staff or the principal, you know, hey, someone made fun of me or made this slur about me, my sexual orientation or gender identity or whatever. And they could say, because if they know the law, the way it's written, well, just suck it up. Yeah. There's just nothing I can do about it. And you remember Betsy DeVos under the Trump administration, she was the edu education secretary, that uh, they sent a dear colleague letter rescinding one that was written under the Obama administration to the Office of Civil Rights and the Department of Education out to educators repealing that uh, dear colleague letter which said that transgender students should be protected under Title IX. Because again, it just says sex. But now it's up to interpretation. If you mm -hmm. don't enumerate, then you can say, no, sexual orientation doesn't mean sex or gender identity doesn't mean sex. It, sexual orientation absolutely means sex because if a kid's being bullied and he's a male child attracted to another male child and he's getting bullied because of that, if he was attracted to a girl, not be bullied, exactly. not be a problem. And so, so that's that is sex. because of sex. Simple right. in that, slam dunk. So they don't want to include that under sex. And it was removed under the Trump administration, restored under Biden. But that's no way to run a railroad because... The next president in may then repeal again. So having those protections written in to Title IX that say sexual orientation, gender identity, gender expression, then protect the class of kids. Awesome. So are you following up with the superintendent? I've been following up with the superintendent for a year now, but yeah. Yeah. Well, well we don't go away. Well, it's the same thing. I'm sorry. But no, good. We've been working with another one, which is right next to uh, Las Colinas. I don't want to say which one, but uh, we've been working with them for ages. And they said, uh, 
yeah, we agree with this, but we feel like if we change the policy, it'll be like admitting that we have a problem. I said, well, you do have a problem. Like 450 students walked out of one of your high schools over it. So you do have a problem. Right. And yeah, but we're not going to change it. Another one, which was down in uh, south of Dallas County, uh, said, uh, it was kind of, well, I don't want to say exactly who, but uh, they said, we don't feel the need to enumerate things. I said, really? I said, we just don't discriminate. I said, wonderful. Then uh, why don't you take out religion out of that and see how that flies? <laughs> and he said, well, we're not doing that. And I said, okay, so now you understand the need for enumeration. So how about adding these other things in there? Because since you don't uh, uh, discriminate, it shouldn't be a problem to go ahead and put LGBTQ students in there as sex orientation, gender identity, gender expression, because you don't discriminate anyway, so you might as well put those in along with the other enumerated protections. Now we're not going to do that. So they don't even believe in their own logic. Yeah. So it's just, but right now, discussing that with somebody, it, it absolutely makes their blood run cold because they envision people in, you know, with swastikas outside their uh, school board meetings and unhinged people screaming at them. And the school, the school board people, many of them like their jobs and they don't want to be run out under that, you know, next school board election. They, you know... I don't know what they would say about them, but it's that fear. It is fear. How, how much of the, how much of that do you think is genuine fear because of the crazies out there, and some of them they just don't want to do it. I don't know. I I would like to say it's fear because uh, that would imply that somehow allaying that fear would make them bold enough to make necessary changes that they say they agree with. Uh, versus out and out hatred if we're electing people to school boards we need to check ourselves I mean that's not what this is about yeah you know we're there to educate kids not push a political agenda you know and, and, and I guess maybe some people picture educating their kids is a political agenda but to me it's like there are some immutable rules out there and th things like sexual orientation it is what it is and I think it's okay to teach kids that everybody has one and yours may be different from someone else, and that's okay. That's right. not a bad thing to teach someone. Right. Um, I don't think you necessarily need to teach uh, any particular religion that kind of violates the Constitution, but it's also not something that, you know, is school's responsibility. I think that's more for homes and church. But, but it is okay to teach. We have people in this class who have different religions. Yeah, not a problem at all. we all get along when we're in class. Yeah. Absolutely. Um, yeah. And, and we do that, and you know, I, I don't subscribe to any uh, religion, but I don't have a problem at all, and we do, and we'll continue to talk to our kid about, hey, there's, there's different religions. Um, I'm not an expert in any of them, but basically here's some of the differences. It's just a knowledge thing. Yeah. What's wrong with that? But yeah, I, I think, you know, the I was talking with Laurent, I think you were otherwise occupied, but I said that... You know, I don't think we're over-teaching kids. I think it's perfectly okay to teach about LGBTQ subject matter and keep it age-appropriate. I mean, mm -hmm. if you're six, uh, you could just say, look, you know, Jimmy over here has two dads. End of discussion. It's not something you need to delve into, you know. So it's not a discussion that they get into deep at that period. It's more right. like, you know, seventh, eighth, ninth grade, and it's okay to understand that. But I think if you're graduating students that don't know how to fill out a job application or don't know how to file income tax or don't know how to, to balance a checkbook, I think you're undereducating them. Because those are the bare necessities that you need to do to function in life. Maybe how to fill out a car loan and, you know, how to figure out uh, interest rates and, you know, things that you deal with when you get out of school. 
And like you were saying, if all you know is uh, to be able to quote Chaucer, that's beautiful and wonderful. But you know, that's not what you're going to be asked to do at your next job application. You know, right? <laughs> Unless right. you're going to be an English lit teacher. Exactly. <laughs> we'll be discussing Chaucer after the break. Lovely. <laughs> Before we get to our break, I thought we'd just do our this week in Donald Trump. <laughs> oh no! What has he done now? He missed the debate. Well, he intended to. It's not like he didn't you know get lost or something. I don't know if I should give him a compliment about this, but I understand why he's not doing the debates. Oh, I do, too. He doesn't have to. He doesn't really I, need but to. But frankly, the debates are more interesting if he's there. They he are. Is such a train they wreck. Are. But it's like, remember him stalking Hillary around the stage? Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. God, it was just ugh, creepy. Well, in his New York fraud case, uh, the judge ruled that he has committed fraud yeah. before the trial even begins on Monday. Uh, he's th threatening to pull all uh, business licenses, or the Attorney General is threatening yeah. to pull all I thought the, I business thought they already licenses. did. I'm, I could be wrong on that, but he's I thought He's going to move to uh, Louisville and open up Donald Trump's Kentucky Fraud Chicken. <laughs> <laughs> There's a meme out there on the picture of Trump Tower, yeah. and the, ta the, the Trump Tower sign has a... Uh, going out of business. It, it has Halloween. To, uh, oh, the, the Halloween, yeah, the Halloween <laughs> store. <laughs> Halloween store. Well, on Monday his fraud trial starts, and he's planning on attending. This will be the first uh, trial that he is attending. Mm. I found out why he's attending. Because he was called for a deposition in Florida, and he said, "I can't go to the deposition. I have to be at my trial in oh, New York." Wow. So, uh, and overseas, uh, Trump is suing Christopher Steele, who's an investigator, over his P-tape. That trial begins October 16th. Hmm. <laughs> yeah. Following Donald Trump is exhausting. It is, uh, and I think it's intentionally so. It was crisis a day. I don't know how... You know, you, for all the, the digs on how old uh, Biden is, they're only three years apart. And so I don't know how Trump is himself is not exhausted with all of the things that is, is piling up on him just, just for just his legal stuff, let alone trying to make appearances or doing his uh, rallies and everything. Because he's the healthiest person his age that anybody's ever seen. I, I guess so. He's tremendously healthy. He's fantastic. I guess so. Why don't we take our break? You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Leron Landis, and Leslie McMurray is with us today. This is Rafael McDonald from Resource Center Dallas. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And this is Lambda Weekly. I'm Dave Taffet here in the studio with Leron Landis and Leslie McMurray. And happy birthday to Rafael today. Oh, that's right. It is Rafael's birthday. Yeah. Yeah, happy birthday, Raphael. Um, Diane Feinstein. Yeah. She passed away this week, age 90. Uh, I think there are some that legitimately thought she should have probably bowed out a little bit earlier. Yeah, she, uh, I want, yeah, I wanted to talk about that. but She hung in there till the end. Yeah. Um, Longest serving uh, woman senator ever. Yeah. She uh, also a longtime friend of the LGBTQ community. Oh, big time. I mean, a, a giant of an ally. Yeah. 
Absolutely. No. She's yeah. the one who, she was a uh, supervisor? Yeah, city, supervisor city, in the city supervisor. of San Francisco. Mm -hmm. um, and she's the one who, when Harvey Milk and Mayor Moscone were killed, she found the bodies. Yeah, and she became mayor after that. Became mayor and from mayor went on to senator. But yeah, she, so she has an awful lot of history going back to those formative days in the 1980s, which were a very difficult time in mm -hmm. late 1970s. And right, a bunch of AIDS legislation uh, can be traced to her office. Mm -hmm. um, civil rights legislation mm -hmm. that she's done. So very sad to hear. Yeah. I mean, she was 90, yeah. and she had been in poor health. Yeah. So, she, But very sad. She, she, she'd been mired in health problems for some time now, was absent for a very long time. Um, they couldn't even get some, uh, some judge just through because she, she wasn't there to vote. Right. Um, so there was a lot of criticism for her to step down. Um, and it, I think it's understandable criticism, you know, um, it's one thing to be if you're that advanced of age and you're healthy, of sound in mind, go on. But if you're not, if it you're is, not able to do your if job, if you're not able to do your job, you know what? What? So I wonder why. Kind of the same thing with Ruth Bader Ginsburg. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, she has several bouts with can, can, uh, cancer before the cancer that took her, um, and she it was it was a, it was a personal uh, private battle, and the public didn't know about it. But, you know, she could have bowed out during a time where she could have been replaced with another one of us, and she didn't. And if she would let us know, I would have given her my pancreas. <laughs> so I, 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 just, I do wonder why these pe pe people in power, do they just not really want to give it up? Yeah, and I think that's not just uh, unique to Diane Feinstein. No, of course not. Absolutely not. The, it's for the longest time, you know, it's, I guess it's been a little bit of a gap, but, but for a long time we've kind of looked at Congress as being just a bunch of old white men. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's kind of in the reputation of Congress. And I just, I don't know. I kind of like the idea of term limits. I was just—it it, it, does—it does, it yeah. does uh, add credence to that argument. You know, it's like if you're, uh, you know, entering in and you're uh, younger than age 65, you can run one more term. If you're 65 or over, thank you for your service. Let's get some people in here that have a stake. Because where I think some of this, and, and why I think this would be a much better idea, is people that are 90 right now. It's hard to convince them to worry too much about climate change because, well, they're 90. And if you say, well, in 30 years, you know, uh, Miami could be completely underwater. They're like, well, in 30 years, I'm going to be 120. Uh, so they don't have skin in the game anymore. I think you need to have people in office that have uh, a reason to look out for the future. Because mm -hmm. yeah. right now, we don't. And look where it's gotten us. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. um, EBJ's decision to not run, I think, was probably one of the hardest decisions she ever had to make. But good for her for having made that decision. Right. Uh, and look at her replacement. <laughs> Jasmine Crockett look, look went at viral her replacement. this week. She went viral. If, uh, I actually had thought about playing a clip, but... Just a little bit. There's a little bit of profanity, so I can't play it on public airwaves. So if you want to see it, go look it up. It's all over uh, YouTube. It, it just as whoever you are, this is a person in Congress, and, uh, and during a hearing, everybody should see that. So 
Absolutely. Go check it out. So what happens now with her seat? Um, is someone... Yeah, Gavin Newsom makes an appointment uh, yeah, I to finish out the term, and then there will be an election, and uh, then they'll kind of pick up from there. Well, yeah. Yeah. Um, now, another senator who they're calling for his resignation is Bob Menendez, uh-huh. who is charged with taking bribes. Mm-hmm. He's refusing to go. Yeah. Do you think if somebody flips party in the middle of their term that they should be subject to a new election? Like if you thought you elected somebody <laughs> of a particular party and then they flip? Well, here's the problem with that. Normally I think yes, but city elections are nonpartisan. Oh, was I referring to the city? I think you were referring to our mayor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, let's go back to Bob for a moment. The senator, for, he's from New Jersey, New right? Jersey, yeah. Mm-hmm. I actually don't blame him for not, for not, uh, for not resigning. Why? I'm just not a big fan of you resign, especially if you honestly say and feel that you are innocent. I'm not big on resigning off of accusations. Let him go through the process. Yeah, I agree. I, I, that, that, that burns me. Um, people get accused of something, and they're, they're the, the party they're with or the uh, organization they're with, you got to step down. Well, you know, they haven't had a chance to, to fight or air their side of the story. Now, he probably is guilty from the, from the yeah. this I've heard. He probably is, but it could be a distraction. Yeah. I think also, though, if you had a policy of people resigning, if there was charges against them, it would fuel people to file false charges just to Absolutely. get to resign. Absolutely. But on the other hand... You know, when you had, uh, there was a pitcher for the Los Angeles Dodgers, guy that had won the Cy Young Award, and he was doing really well, and was accused of doing some pretty crazy things with this woman. Mm-hmm. And he claimed it was consensual, and he ended up getting suspended for over a year, uh, which cost him like $20 million, mm-hmm. and it was super embarrassing and all. But there was nothing ever that said guilty. Right. And so, and that... Even if he came back to work or whatever, she dropped the charges, whatever, he is stuck with that that uh, accusation for the rest of his life. Yeah. So yeah, I'm let him let 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 him f- have a fair fight, and let's see what happens. Um, okay, let's go back to our mayor. Okay. You seem to feel he should resign. I'm just saying, if it was in California, there would have been a recall petition. <laughs> <laughs> it was put together so fast, it make true. his head swim. This is true. We don't have recall. Yeah, well, in California we do. And so, we, matter of fact, we, it's almost a tradition to recall the governor at some point in time. <laughs> that's, that's how, right. I forgot that's how Schwarzenegger yeah. got in. Yep. They, they did a recall on Gray Davis. and I mean, it's just... We they almost recalled Governor uh, Newsom. Uh-huh. Well, yeah. Oh, they recalled Davis, too. They put him in office and they recalled him. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, they, they do that all the time. Uh, it's just something... Something they do. Newsom didn't even come close to being uh, recalled. No, he no. didn't, but they tried. No, but they have the recall election. If they get right, enough right. signatures on a petition, there's a recall election. Yeah, it didn't come close, and we get on with life. But they just like to try yeah, and yeah. make them spend campaign money. But would you like to see Eric uh, have to go through a new election? Yeah, I, th- I think so. I think I would. Uh, just because it's a nonpartisan pos- position, but is it? Uh, and if you're in a nonpartisan position and you change parties, 
doesn't that seem a little weird? I mean, why would you announce something if you're in a nonpartisan non job? Why would you suddenly make it partisan? Oh, because he's planning on uh, running for a statewide office. Great. Actually, that then. actually, I saw, I heard an interview with him this week. He did on a right-wing show, and he said he is not, like, he is not uh, seeking office after this anywhere. I heard him directly from his lips. Now, will he stick to today? Yeah. I don't know. Can we trust him on that? <laughs> like we can we yeah. trust? <laughs> who knows? But he did say he's not running for any other. I don't know. So, I, I so it, it did make like okay. Well, why why did you even announce that you were switching parties? Yeah. So if you're going to stand by that, then uh, then uh, what harm the, would a, a, another election do to say, well, we thought you were in one particular area, and now you're announcing that you're not, and there is more difference between the parties. I think it's a giant message that's being sent because mm -hmm. there's more difference between the parties now than there has ever been before that I yeah. can think of. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and one other public figure, Jimmy Carter is 99 today. Yeah, Happy that, birthday. He is beating the odds for sure. He, he is has. seven months into hospice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, it's yeah. funny. He has, no one's ever gotten rich underestimating Jimmy Carter. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, he's something. I, and he's one of those guys, too, that when he left office, he was hammered with that Iran hostage thing. Mm -hmm. But he is, it's like every year you look back in history and he's a better president. You look at the way he handled Three Mile Island. The guy was a nuclear engineer. He was no knucklehead. He was, you know, may have been a peanut farmer, but <laughs> he knew his way around a nuclear reactor. Uh, he was just a brilliant, brilliant guy that I think looks better by the year. Absolutely. History will treat him very well. Yeah. I think history's already treating him well yeah. as a former president. Yeah. 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 He's very respected, but, if not revered. A friend yeah. of mine did uh, some house rebuilding or house building in Haiti after the earthquake. And Jimmy and Rosalind were building houses. He's out there swinging a hammer. Yeah. He said, if, if it was me who had to choose a house... I would choose Jimmy and Rosalind's house that they built <laughs> yeah. long before mine. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the stuff so. he's done with Habitat has been just awe-inspiring. And the amount of people he's inspired by being out there doing that. You know, and he did it because he's a religious person. Mm -hmm. And the religious right reviles him for it. Yeah. Yeah. And that's something. Yeah. Well, he was doing something as a religious person that lives out what is in that book that they base the religions on, religion on. But the people that are criticizing him for doing that, I don't think I've ever picked up that book. I don't know how you can say I'm basing my life and my religious belief and my path and all on this book, but I just don't have the time to read it. I don't think they've read the Constitution, half of them. Oh, of course not. <laughs> Speaking of the Constitution, when that did nice you segue? see the letter that Matt Shaheen sent to Chief Eddie Garcia, uh, District Attorney John Crusoe, and of course, the Dallas City Council. Yeah, he's a, wow. No, t I, I, tell me, what is the, what's the letter about? It's As a member of the House of Representatives, <laughs> I'm reaching out to you regarding the Texas Latino Pride event held in Revershawn Park, located at 3505 Maple Avenue in Dallas on September 16th. I believe children were harmed at this event in violation of the Texas Penal Code. Children were present and witnessed disgusting, obscene content that shows, the link, uh, that shows individuals committing offenses described in Section 43 of the Texas Penal Code. 
And the letter goes on. Now, so what? Do you know what the Texas Latino Pride Festival is? Oh yeah. Describe it. I mean, it's a pride event. It's kind of a, it's a family event, and it's a music event. Yeah, and there's. I mean, anybody can go, but it's you know the Latino community and uh, LGBT community are having a good time in and a park. In a park, and it actually started late this year because they didn't ha- feel they had enough police protection. Mm-hmm. So it took about an hour till uh, the number of police that they had requested and needed to make sure everything was safe. And they have a lot of arrests, were there? <laughs> no arrests. No, no arrests. So Plenty wh- of police. Did so they witness any uh, felonies yeah, so, or so, uh, misdemeanors? So what happened? Well, Matt Shaheen did. Oh. He so, wasn't there. Oh, oh. I was going to say, it'd be odd for Matt Shaheen to show up to a but pride it, event. He wasn't there, but he knows somehow something. Some children cr- were harmed. Char- children were harmed. Mm-hmm. Okay. Were hmm. the children just showing up of their own volition, or were they with their parents? They were with their parents. Oh, okay. So uh, we don't believe in parental And he gives the... The penal code number, it's a state uh, jail felony if a person, quote, knowing its content and character, wholesale promotes or possesses with intent to wholesale promote any obscene material. It's a music festival. And by definition, obscene is... Anything gay is, I guess, to be interpreted as obscene, right. I think he has an obsession with the penal code. Now, is this the same penal code... The, the drag show? Yes, the one that was declared unconstitutional That's where I was the going. he wrote That's the letter. That's yeah. where I was going. So, great news about the drag show in Texas, the drag show ban, um, even though it doesn't say that specifically. That's what it's intended to do. A federal judge... Um, well, we don't know what it was intended. You're saying that's what it was intended. That was one of the intended targets, but there were lots of other targets. Like me singing a karaoke night. Yeah. That, by yeah. their definition, would have been obscene. A woman who had um, breast surgery for cancer who was wearing a prosthetic uh, device mm-hmm. that accentuated her se- her sexual, um, her, her, her sex, that would be illegal under that law. That would be illegal, but I don't think that was the intended target. Of course, it wasn't the intended yeah. target. So, neither yeah, see, yeah, neither were Broadway shows that come to exactly. the Westbury and but no, you're asking me State the, Fair. Uh, yeah, I do think yeah, the main intended target were, were drag performers. Absolutely. Yeah. And there was going to be some people who got caught in a fire, but they but they they were not the intended target. But either way, a judge has raised uh, ruled that those uh, the new law is unconstitutional and has permanently forbid enforcement of it. I like that. Yeah, it's too vague. And yeah, and but here's what he said I like. Not all people will like or condone certain performances. There's no different this is no different than a person's opinion on a certain comedy or genres of music, but that alone does not strip uh First Amendment protection. Amen. So I don't know where they go from here if they try and appeal that. Well um, here's where Matt Shaheen goes from there. Home um, and go to sleep, well, hopefully. Because nothing can do. <laughs> he said, as Dallas elected city officials, you must ensure that these crimes against children are prosecuted. I respectfully ask that you investigate this occurrence immediately to determine which laws were broken and to prosecute accordingly. 
If any laws protecting children were broken, the people who coordinate these types of events that specifically target children should be criminally prosecuted. How does uh, a music event specifically target children? It's gay music. <laughs> That's all. Music turns people gay, don't <laughs> you get it? <laughs> Other like-minded individuals in your city should be on notice that holding such an event in Dallas is an illegal violation of the Texas Penal Code and could have serious criminal penalties. Duty requires that you investigate this matter immediately. Please follow that duty for the sake of our children. To quote Monty Python, you're a loony. And it was delivered via electronic mail to Eddie Garcia, our police chief, and to the Honorable John Crusoe, Dallas County District Attorney. I wonder if they've run out and made any arrests, or if uh, Mr. Shaheen can produce any children that were in fact harmed by this event. Because I would think if you're going to... Uh, uh, prosecute somebody you need for harming children, you're going to need to produce the harmed, the victims. Well, you need this. an investigation. You need yeah. some evidence. Yeah. 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 Apparently he doesn't, but. He, he's not specific what it was that happened. Yeah. Yeah, but it was specifically targeted children. Like what? What exactly was? Mm. Music. Music. Music was? So it was like nursery rhymes or music and maybe somebody had a rainbow shirt on and if it was an LGBT performer that automatically means it was so every time uh, God puts a rainbow up there Matt Shaheen sends a letter to our district attorney <laughs> send it to your own district attorney <laughs> I mean he's a state rep from Collin County yeah, yeah. and uh, but he's Saturday consistent sat anti-LGBT Saturday was um Plano Pride. Yeah. So I'm expecting to see another letter from him this week after Plano Pride was held in a public park in downtown Plano. <gasps> mm. Wow. And the Arts Center. So. Yeah, but that's the, the, the fear that I was talking about. And they're doing that not to solve any problem, right. but to make people afraid. And for parents that aren't involved really in their kids education and they hear news that oh there's pornography in your school library uh, they may not want to even take the time to uh, suss out whether that is in fact true or not or whether at the Latino festival that anything untoward did happen they just are reactionary and I mean it's, it's it's hard because I know that I wouldn't want anything harmful to come to my kids or my grandkids. And if I heard that something was, I would certainly want to investigate that. But it, would, it wouldn't be just where I would just go, ah, forget about it. It's a two-page letter. Yeah. Where's a mention of evidence that something happened? We'll keep talking about this yeah. after the break. Uh, we just need to take a short break. You're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And we'll be back with more right after this. Hi, this is Patty Fink, and you're listening to Lambda Weekly on 89.3 KNON-FM. And we're back. You know, the piece that you just ran about the Grateful Dead. Uh -huh. um, when I got into radio, it was in 1979, a long time ago. And my first gig was in Jackson, Wyoming. I mean, way up northwest Wyoming. And it's like, you know, you'd sit down at the chair and just kind of... <laughs> <laughs> 
hello anybody. <laughs> uh, but there was a lot of people that, that listened to that radio station there. It was an FM station, and it was somewhat like KNON in that it had like a classical show and a country show and a rock show. So it was kind of you know a little eclectic. bit of block programming. It was kind of eclectic. And it was back in the day when you could play whatever you want. And I did. And so I was just, you know, pulling albums and playing them and having a blast up there in Wyoming. And it was fun. And so my, f my first few weeks that I was on the air, I started on July 9th, 1979. So it was August 13th, 14th, around in there. And I decided, since it was the 10th anniversary of Woodstock, that I'd take the Woodstock album, put it on the turntable, and just track it. And it was a two-album or three-album set. So I figured I'm going to kill off most of the night and just play a bunch of good music from that. So I'm letting that track, and I was in a production room goofing around and kind of had the monitor on, so I made sure that it was at least not skipping or something. And the phone rang, and I was in there with a guy named Jack Seidler, who was a production guy, and he answered the phone, and he said, Hey, it's Bob Weir from The Grateful Dead who wants to talk to you. Well, we used to get a ton of requests for The Grateful Dead. And so I figured it was some deadhead that was pranking me. And I just said, you know, go to hell and hung up. And so uh, he apparently called back and said, no, it's Bob Weary wants to talk to you. And it's like, ugh. So I just don't want this annoying thing. So I said, yeah, you know, what does he want? And he says, I, I just heard you playing the 10th anniversary of Woodstock, you know, the thing going on. And thought I'd come down and talk about it. And I said, suit yourself, and hung up again. A few minutes later, on the door, uh, we had the studio door there, was Bob Weir and John Barlow, who did a lot of lyric writing for The Grateful mm -hmm. Dead and also for uh, Bob Weir's solo stuff. So here I am. I've been in the business for five weeks. I've just insulted one of the big, <laughs> biggest rock musicians in the world, Bob Weir. Oh, wow. And I said, I am so sorry. Come on in. And he sat down, and he and Barlow stayed there for like two hours, and we just talked. We played music. We hung out we just had a blast it was like the most fun and i just wish i would have been in the business longer so that i could have done a better interview with him a more proper interview because i was utterly and completely unprepared to be <laughs> just ambushed by this giant rock star in northwest wyoming but that's what happened <laughs> crazy so i hear grateful dead and i i love them to pieces i've seen them live but yeah, uh, Bob Weir is one of the coolest guys ever. Lone Star Dead is one of those shows that's been on as long as we have. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, it's incredible. Time. Yeah. I took up the mandolin because of them. And do you still play the mandolin? Uh-huh. Oh. Yeah. Well, next time you come, bring your mandolin. I might. So, back to Shaheen's letter. Yeah. I digress. What do you think of a public official accusing volunteers in a community that is not yours like even if it was his it's morally reprehensible unless you have evidence right unless you can produce kids that were actually harmed let's not cry wolf you know we're protective of kids in this environment you know quote unquote texas values and all that uh and so don't alert people unnecessarily just because there's something going on that you don't agree with there were plenty of police in the park right yeah to shut things down if something <coughs> inappropriate had Don't happened. you think they would have if you know, I, I the would, penal code is being flaunted? I would hope they young? would. Of course they would. And it's one of those things like the organizers of, you know, the, the uh, Latino pride. Do you just ignore it or do you shoot back? Like, you know. Well, so far, our attorney, uh, our, our district attorney and police chief and city council are ignoring it. Yeah. 
They released his letter, though. I'm not sure who it was who released the letter. I'm glad they did. Probably Omar. I would hope that uh, their community and all others would express their opinion at the ballot box. That's how things are going to change. You keep putting these nuts in the office, and things will change. Right. That's what they've reduced themselves to, is they start fights where there is none. They make issues where there are none. Yeah, it's like the it's whole like, thing trying to keep us out of bathrooms. It, exactly. Really, that's been seven years. Let me remind you, back in 2015, uh, I guess that's eight years now. Mm -hmm. So 2015, when they had the bathroom bills going on, our lieutenant governor called that the most pressing issue yep. facing Texas. Seriously? Yeah. Up to 2015, there were no issues with transgender people causing problems in bathrooms. And in the intervening eight years, I've not seen a single oh, story a single anywhere. anywhere. So, again, that's that crying wolf and getting people ginned up over nothing. It was nothing then. It's nothing now. Right. Right. We go in, you, you, use the bathroom, we leave. And I, I do remember when that fight started. Again, it was a fight that, if you're just picking a fight, there was no issue. But I was wondering, I'm like, did something happen to start no, it's this? No, just fear. It's like, because people are in a compromised position, especially women, in the bathroom or in a, a clothing compromised position, uh, and it just gins up fear. Yeah, I, I did. Where's the story about some trans person who did something in a bathroom? And they blow it out of proportion. Well, that didn't even happen. It doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. So, again. But that's just fear. That's exactly what it is, fear-mongering. Uh, it's that, uh, if you want to put a name to it, it's, it's, it's called the Cartman Drama Triangle. And it was done back in Germany, where you have a leader and the populace and the enemy. And you say, these people are going to make your life worse. They're going to infect you or whatever it's going to, the problem is. And I am the savior. So you have the savior, the populace, and the enemy. And that works wonderfully. When you had the, uh, remember the evil empire? Uh, President Reagan, mm -hmm. I'm going to build Star Wars and I'm going to stop the evil empire from the poor, you know, victim American public uh, when it was just basically a bankrupt state. Uh, but they had to spend all this money to try and defend against a, a Star Wars weapon system that didn't exist. And so it was just a big comedy joke back then. And then, of course, President Trump plays it to an absolute T. He's great at creating enemies and how I alone can fix it. We've heard that how many times? It's the Cartman drama triangle. And sometimes it's writ large and sometimes it's writ at the community size. And that's Cartman, not from South Park. Cartman. K-A-R-P-M-A-N. <laughs> yeah, that's South Park. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Leslie, you met with some uh, representatives of, uh, of the World Affairs Council. Yeah, not necessarily with no. the World Affairs Council, but there, it's, part, it's done by the United States State Department. And they use the World Affairs Council to uh, get these uh, representatives from various countries around the world, and they bring them here to discuss various issues. And I've been part of that for a number of years now, maybe uh, six or eight different meetings. I have a couple of girls that I met from Cuba, mm. and we still trade text messages uh, through WhatsApp because uh, they uh, Cuba is very invasive, and they will snoop on email. But WhatsApp is encrypted, so mm -hmm. we can send messages safely back and forth between here and Cuba. Uh, but this time they were talking about discrimination, uh, especially racial and LGBTQ discrimination. And so we had three of us uh, that were from the United States, and then there was people from. There was a woman from Romania, 
uh, a guy from France, another guy from Israel, another from Egypt, uh, and this woman, uh, she and I became fast friends. She gave me this beautiful papyrus drawing of uh, Egyptian figures that are ancient. I uh, uh, put it up in my house already. Uh, but they're from all over the world, and it was just the most amazing, interesting, energizing group of people, and it made me feel so better, uh, so much better just about things. I mean, there was uh, one representative from Mauritius, which is in the Indian Ocean, little tiny dot of an island, uh, Singapore, uh, Malaysia, um, but yeah, there was like 14... France. So what's their opinion of what's going on in this country? The, in this country here, that we're a clown circus. That you know, they especially will look at the previous president and just shake their heads at like what in the heck? So they're uh, definitely laughing at us. Yeah, they are not laughing with us. They yeah. are laughing at us. But in, in a very kind way. I mean, it's like we're one of those things. It's it's like when Tiger Woods was playing well, it was good for the PGA Tour. Mm-hmm. Uh, when uh, you know, LeBron James is playing well and the Lakers are winning. It's good for the NBA. Uh, when the U.S. does well, it's good for the rest of the world. And that's wonderful. They're rooting for us. They really, really are. They're rooting for us. Mm-hmm. But we're becoming a little bit of an embarrassment in the world community. Yeah. Hmm. And, that's surprising. But and, there's also, you know, as, one of the first things I started with, which made them laugh a lot, but I, you know, when we were introducing ourselves, I just said, yeah, my name is Leslie McMurray, and I'm just looking for a, a safe country that I can run to. <laughs> is there any, anybody here that, you know, is, is uh, you know, taking people in? Um, and that's only half serious or, you know, half kidding. No, absolutely. But they, there are countries that do have problems with human rights, and they acknowledge that. Uh, and it's something we need to fix. I mean, it's like even we got to talking, there was a guy from the U.K., and he brought up uh, football, and so I showed him my Manchester City bracelet, and so we were kind of going back and forth and kidding about that. But then he said to me, he says, how do you feel rooting for a uh, sports team whose owner lives in a country that is so horrible on civil rights? He's speaking of Saudi Arabia. And it's like, yeah, that's a little bit of a problem. And I yeah. think we need to maybe use our voices because it's there's really this dichotomy. If you watch English Premier League soccer, there's no shortage of trans or pride flags in the stands. You'll see them. They're, they're 10 feet long. There's very much support there. But in England, there's less support, uh, England as a whole. Um, but also they kneel in the center circle before the game mm-hmm. uh, to say there's no room for racism. Yet, in, again, the country of some of the people that own soccer teams, uh, it's maybe not quite the same. And so it just, I think it illustrates more than anything else that political solutions are not easy. If they were, we would have solved it by now. But you can say that here's a guy who's made his money through Saudi oil but is not part of the royal family but is using that to to fund the sports team, should he not be able to do that because of where he lives? Should we not be able to do things if Trump was in the White House because he was a lunatic that's limiting civil rights and doing horrible things? Uh, I don't know. Maybe that's the case. We need to look at ourselves because we tend to look you know, all else around the world and tell them how to do their business. Um, but I think they have just as much of a right to point at us. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, there's this notion out there, like you're saying, that all, uh, there's a lot of countries who have human rights issues, but people think, oh, that that wouldn't dare be us. Yeah. No, we have it too. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. 
Well, just to wrap up a little bit, uh, Governor Abbott called a special session. Uh, it's going to start October 9th. Yeah, that was another thing they're concerned about, that it's going to be uh, school vouchers. Yeah, that's all it's about. would just destroy local school districts. Mm-hmm. Um, not a good thing at all. And it also says to me, as a property-owning taxpayer, that a huge chunk of my property taxes go to pay for the schools. And so if you are saying that, no, we're not going to fund those schools anymore, then I want my money back. Yeah. Not going to happen. Not yeah, going to happen. I know, not going to happen. But if, if they are saying they're going to send these kids to parochial schools, but I don't believe in that, right? then I'm not being represented. And these same parochial schools probably wouldn't even allow someone like you to even attend. Yeah, probably Or, not. or me. Yeah. So, but but our monies will be now uh, funded to those schools. Yeah. Yeah, well, I wouldn't let Laron attend my school either. <laughs> <laughs> um, Julie Johnson was on our show a couple of weeks ago, and she th- thinks that vouchers are not going to go through. Good. Because of the rural Republicans. No, they're, they're really worried about it there, and the rural districts are just going to get hammered. Yeah. Because they have no place to bring their vouchers other than their public schools. Yeah. But here's the problem. He says that he's going to keep on calling special sections, uh, special sessions until it is passed. And then if, it, if, if that still doesn't work, he's basically said, you know, it's going to be revenge on people who didn't uh, vote for it. Like, the, really? That's, that, that's how they operate. It seems like it's as important an issue as where Leslie pees. Right, exactly. Which is going to be down the hall in about four minutes. <laughs> um, the State Fair, have you been yet? Not yet. Open Friday. Yep. Uh, we were actually just talking this morning what they were going to go. Have you been? I have not. The, the last time I went there, I thought I went to Burning Man, but I was uh, mistaken. <laughs> you were there that year. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. We did, we I had didn't, nothing to do with it. Yeah. We didn't go that year. We did go last year. So. I go... Do you know, I've gone every year since DART uh, makes a stop right in front. My biggest objection to going to the fair always used to be, oh, the parking. Mm-hmm. And I take DART. Now, we I don't know. We got lucky. We got really good parking the last time we went. And it wasn't on the grounds. It was uh, across the street. Got really lucky. Got really close. Uh, I hate fighting for parking. <laughs> Park at a DART station and... Spend a dollar or three dollars for a dart ticket. So, what are you going to have? The uh, fried butter? What's mm. on the menu? Mm. Fried butter. Yeah. Mm. I just said, all I look forward to is their turkey legs. Yeah. I had that. Fried garbage. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> and the Rangers made the playoffs. Yes, they did, but they haven't secured the division yet. So, it's the last day of baseball season. If the Astros lose or the Rangers win, the Rangers win the division. Either one of those things can happen. Yeah. And if both happen? If uh, the Astros win and the Rangers lose, Rangers are wild card, and the Astros would be the division uh, winners. And if the Astros lose and the Rangers win? Then yeah, the Rangers go as the uh, division winners. Good to know. Yep. I like baseball when the best of the American League played the best of the National League, and there weren't all these playoffs. And yeah. Playoffs didn't go on for months and months. 
Uh, anyway, that's it for us here at Lambda Weekly. Uh, have a good week. As always, thanks. Thank you, Leslie. Thank you for having me.